0: Hello and welcome to Faith Facts with Father Howard. I'm Lindsay here with Father Howard, and on today's episode, we are discussing the origins of the Bible. So let's get started.
1: It's good to be here again with you, Lindsay. And when we start to attack, you might say the the origins of the Bible. I mean, we are. Biting off a rather big chunk of information, <laughs> no. and uh, and I think it's 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 one of those things where we as we presume we know a lot about the Bible, uh, but a lot of times we what we presume is really not accurate. You know, for example, we presume that the book of Genesis, it's the first book of the Bible that was written first, when that is simply not the case. And we presume that the book of Revelations, which is the last book of the Bible and speaks about end times, uh, was the last book to be written, which is simply not the case. And everything in between was written one book right after another in the sequence that we find it, which is not the case. And so because we presume all of that, we kind of see it as almost linear. You know, it's just one thing following after another when when you look at the books and the history of the books and such is that they jump all over the place and in fact you know it's it's interesting how even the the Bible itself or the beginnings of it it was over 400 years simply of oral history first that that you know was in place that you know the Bible didn't start to be written until Uh, what is called the time of the monarchy, which would be around the time of Saul, David, and Solomon. That's when the Bible really started to be written, the actual books. And and you say, well, why was that? Well, because until there was actual peace, until there was an opportunity for people to sit down and really think about things in order to write them down so that they didn't forget them because they were more worried about some tribe, you know, ramming a spear through their guts, is that uh, you, you don't have time to sit down and write those things out. It's when there is peace and when there is stability politically, militarily, economically, and people have the time and the money and the energy to do these things, that's when you begin to have actual books written down. But, like I said, that goes, though the Bible spans Thousands of years of history when you look at it, you know in the big picture Is that it wasn't until after 400 plus years of oral uh, Oral history of telling the stories in all different ways that someone you know at different points different authors Finally sat down and saying, you know Maybe we need to write this down somehow so that we don't forget the story so that we don't forget it and so when we when you look at the Bible is that it is it is one of uh, you might say humanity's greatest treasures for the whole world i mean not just for christianity or for judaism is that it's it's a great treasure for the whole world and and the bible and bible quotes and 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 the teachings of jesus and and the and the teachings that are found through the prophets and all other things these are found in literature through virtually throughout time is that not everything is original in the bible they also writers you know might have say borrowed, stole, you know whatever different pieces of, of wisdom from a variety of cultures that they were uh, somehow you know introduced to or became aware of over time and so pieces of that come together. It's the in, What's interesting is though uh, is that when you look at the Bible and compare it to other uh, great sacred writings for example like the Dhammapadas Uh, The Vedas, which are part of the Eastern traditions, is that it's remarkable of how they correlate to some of the books of the Bible. Some of the teachings of Jesus, some of the Old Testament wisdom, uh, those is that, you know, there was a lot of wisdom. But the other piece to this is, is that it was, you know, really this was done through human people, people just like us, that God spoke and so it is expressed it is written by human beings and sometimes good and sometimes not so good and everything everyone in between so when you start to look at the origins of the Bible um, is that uh, it's it's really ultimately it's, it's one of those things where it's the Word of God uh, for us though expressed uh, through very human uh, very human people very human authors very human terms the language that is used and we know that language you know can take on uh, different meanings depending upon the circumstances the time and the place. Also I think it's important as we begin here that as I reflect on a number of things that that I'll be looking at or that we will be looking at is that we are looking at this through the lens particularly of the Roman Catholic tradition. That is important because one, the Roman Catholic tradition, you know, the number of books is different than other uh, mm-hmm. Christians, the Judeo-Judeo, uh, Judeo, you know, Christian, uh, that the Jewish tradition has fewer books than the Roman tradition. Many of our Protestant brothers and sisters uh, decided not to add certain books uh, for a variety of reasons: theological, political all sorts of reasons that are, are why, you know, that we did or didn't include. And so the Roman tradition has a particular canon, which, you know, is a, is a set, is a grouping of books that, that is used. So when they talk about uh, the canon of scriptures, it's the official canon that ultimately over centuries, and it took time for us to figure all of that out, over centuries was considered to be authentic, not authentic, Just a simple example is that we have something like the the Matthew Mark Luke and John the Gospels Well, we also know that there was a Gospel of Thomas. There's a Gospel of Peter There's a Gospel of Judas. There's a Gospel of I mean there are any number of Gospels out there Those writings and they still exist and you probably could go on Google and find them But they were considered either to be simply replication or they put Jesus in a light or other things in the light that simply were not consistent with with the mainstream thinking of the time when this was all put together. So there's a lot of different things, but it's important that um, we look at this and recognize that we look at this uh, from a particularly Catholic perspective. Uh, Another piece to this Catholic perspective is that we see the scriptures, though a primary source of how the divine reveals itself to us. Is that it is not the only source for some of our Protestant brothers and sisters is that they go by a term that is called solo scriptura which means scriptures alone that the only way that the divine reveals uh, itself to the people is through the scriptures as a Catholic Church we don't believe that we believe that there are other ways uh, that the divine God reveals the presence to people for example, through science, you know, the world in which we live, through uh, the people of God uh, that, that the divine is revealed. Through the teaching authority of the church, the divine is revealed. So we look at it that though scripture is primary, it is not the only way that, that the divine one reveals himself to us. Also, we are not, uh, in the Roman tradition, we are not literalists. We do not look, take the Bible literally, you know. Uh, for an example, would be is that there are those traditions that, says that God says, you know, created the world or the universe in seven days. For them, it means seven 24 hour periods. That's how God did it. We do not approach it that way. For us, seven is a perfect number. Whether God created the universe or the world in seven seconds, or in seven billion eons is not relevant. What's relevant is that God did it. That's so, we, we, um, uh, we do not approach the Bible literally and, and that's an important piece because there are a number of our Christian brothers and sisters that do and we are not literalists and sometimes as Catholics, we forget that. You know, we point to the Bible and say, but it says right here in the Bible. Yeah, read the rest of the paragraph. Put it in the whole context rather than just what these particular words say. One of the things that I will oftentimes uh, tell people is that when you're reading the Bible, don't simply ask what the words say. Ask, what is this passage trying to teach me? What is this whole book trying to teach me? And as I read it, it may bring some other issues uh, to it uh also just that the number of books that we have so so there's a lot that goes on when we talk about you know uh, from a particularly a Catholic perspective and that's how I'm going to be speaking about it as we talk about it uh, today and as we continue to kind of work through some of the parts of the Bible over over the next couple of times that that we gather though it's under one cover you might say called the bible is that uh, the the bible a literal translation of the bible you know is book simply one of the roots of of the word bible is a book it becomes a book because it is that which is bound together forms a single book but it is not a single book in in the literal sense also another greek translation of the word out uh, of bibliotheca and such, is that it's called a library. It's a collection of books, you might say, a compendium of books. Is that literally when you start to look at their look at this is that there are, are at least uh, 73 different works when you look at the whole Bible depending upon how many books you use. Numerous authors uh, that, that are looking at it with different styles, uh, different viewpoints, Different theological viewpoints, different political viewpoints, different spiritual viewpoints, is that these are very human, very human persons, and, and the divine is being revealed you know, through them, but from a from a particular perspective, which can be applied to a great breath you have three languages so when you know somebody says well well you know that's the original language of the Bible well there are actually three original languages of the Bible Uh, a lot of the Old Testament is Hebrew so in in, in ancient Hebrew there are parts of of Daniel and Ezra and some of Jeremiah and different parts that are Aramaic and the, the majority, if not virtually, all of the New Testament or New Testament books that we would call them are Greek. So it's, a, well, what's the original you know language? Some will say Latin. Well, no, that was translated in Latin later on. You know, well, I want the original language. And so they won't take, you know, one translated in English or whatever. It's like, well, which one do you want? You know, Hebrew, Aramaic, or Greek? I
0: suppose it depends on where you're, what part of the Bible you're reading.
1: Exactly. It, re- it really does. It really does. And, and one of the grace things, and we'll talk a little bit about this in, in time to come, is that in, it was in the late 1940s, and they talk about, when you talk about scripture study, is that that's when they found the Qumran caves. And they found all of these ancient manuscripts. You know, up until then, we thought that, like, for example, the Latin translations were the only translations and those kinds of things. And then we realized when they found these ancient manuscripts that date back ways to the beginning of of Isaiah and Jeremiah and many of these ancient uh, books is that that we weren't exactly as accurate as we thought we were. And there are still scrolls that had been discovered in these caves around the Dead Sea there are still scrolls that have not been opened yet because we don't have the technology to open them without destroying them.
0: Yikes.
1: So there is still yet much to be discovered and these things are are stored and in, in 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 special vaults and you know controlled humidities and and temperatures and all of that stuff.
0: Are these like the Dead Sea Scrolls? The Dead same, Sea Scrolls. The same thing? Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. That these many any number of these scrolls and they have hundreds and hundreds of these scrolls that were found or bits and pieces like i said have not even been translated because we don't have the technology to open them yet now as technology gets better with all sorts of science and such is that then they can start opening and probably discover a few more things mm-hmm. that we didn't know at first and part of the say well how can that be is that well language is always changing you know for example uh as i was growing up the term you know, that's really bad, was, was really kind of originated. Wow, that's bad. I mean, that, you're really bad. Well, that meant good, <laughs> you know? And sometimes you still hear it, not so much anymore. Not so much. It, it speaks more of my age. But if something was really bad, it meant it was really good. So when you read any number of these manuscripts, Again, you're dealing with people, with language, with culture, with experience, or whatever. We have to grow in an understanding. And that's what they did, you know, as they grew grew to understand, you know, the, 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 the Judaic uh, culture and, and the time of Jesus and all of that. As they grew to understand these things, they grew to understand what these scriptures were actually saying. So it wasn't just about God whispering something in someone's ear. It was about. God speaking through people and really coming to an awareness of, of what it meant for, you know, for someone to kind of express on behalf of a people what their experience of God was, what they believed and, and saw God trying to tell them and teach them over a period of time, what their relationship with God was. And, and, and then to bring that into our own experience, trying to tra- translate that into English, into French, into German, China, you know, and the difficulties of what that means to translate it into various languages. Mm-hmm. It's, um, it's an incredible process. And I think, you know, when you think about it, the Spirit of God is working through all of that. One thing for people, if they're looking at getting a Bible, uh, saying, well, I've had a Bible that I've had since I was a child. Yeah, you probably do. It was probably the Dewey edition, D-E-W-Y. Uh, that's an old uh, edition of the Bible that is no longer very good at all. It just the translation is not very good because again, we were working off of information that isn't accurate. Um, in, in, and I would suggest that one of the best Bibles out there for somebody who really wants to grow in an understanding of the Bible is the New American Bible. It's an excellent, excellent translation uh, that generally people don't have to be a scholar to understand, (laughs) and yet it's accurate, and I would say it's the the Catholic Study Bible of the New American uh, American Translation. One of the best out there, has a lot of good resources and, and good information in the beginning that helps people to put things into a context so that they are able to read it, you know, not say through rose-colored glasses, but through accurate lenses that allow one to understand what's actually going on.
0: Sure, And there's also children's Bibles and youth Bibles. Yes. All different types. Uh,
1: So please, you know, uh, one of the things I remember as a a small child, again, my mother uh, reading the Bible stories from St. Joseph's children's Bible. Well, there is still a St. Joseph's children's Bible out there uh, with a New American translation of it. And it's excellent. I, I just encourage people to, to, particularly for their young children, get a youth Bible. It's got some wonderful uh, information and, and special pages and they have apps for it now and all sorts of things that, that kids can use on their computers and such is that it's also written in a way that they can understand it. They've got excerpts, they apply it to, to their lives today. So there are a lot of good translations out there. Check out with a, um, your uh, youth minister or your uh, formation director and they will probably have some excellent suggestions of good Bibles to purchase for yourself if you're an adult <coughs> or, for, um, or for your children you're never it's never too early again i I, when i think about uh, hearing the stories as a small child and such those stories stay with you and they stay with you for a very very long time Mm -hmm. and so it, it helps a person to to spark their imagination to get connected with the bible and to really you know discover what the bible has to offer
0: yeah we had a i'm pretty sure it was a hardcover children's bible it was blue big bigger book, and it had lots of pictures in it, so I liked looking oh, yeah. at the pictures, and then I'm pretty sure it had the story of the two women claiming the child was theirs,
1: Solomon's story and then is, like
0: yeah. cutting the kid in half, which is kind of freaky for a little kid to read, like what, they're going to cut the kid in half, so, but, but I remember that. Yeah, <laughs> you know, but really, you're, you're right, these
1: are stories though, and, and these are stories that, y- you, you that stay with you for a long time. Some, uh-huh. you know sometimes it can freak you out a little bit, but other times you know it, it, it speaks of, of the incredible wisdom that people learned and gleaned through the grace and through the power of God. and and when so when we talk about you know the really the origins of the Bible, it's it's recognizing that so much has come together to make all of this happen. you know uh, hundreds of, of writers and 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 the experience and so even the Bible itself it it contains stories of adventure of uh, it contains poetry love songs uh, I mean just all sorts of, of types of literature that came to be recognized as a way that God speaks as a way that God reveals the divine and and so sometimes saying well God could never speak through that song well don't tell that to the person who wrote the Psalms you know because those are all songs the unfortunate part is that we lost the music to those Psalms but all of those things are songs and and so you know poetry you have you know the the various love poems the song of songs the love poetry you have the stories of the judges and the kings and and it's interesting you know of of folks wrote stories in many ways and portrayed God or their experience of God depended on what they needed at that point in time. Sometimes God was mother hen. Sometimes God was shepherd. Sometimes God was king. Sometimes God was farmer. Sometimes God, all of these different images of God spoke to people at various stages in their life and in various stages in a culture of what people needed and and how the revelation of God needed to somehow be connected you know to uh you know to the people's experience it was only you know when when you start thinking of God as king was not really talked about hardly anything at all until the kingdom you know, when Saul began the monarchy hmm. and David, who finally joined the two kingdoms, the north and the south. And Solomon then became this incredible king fief, uh, king figure, you know, what a real king should be like. and But you don't hear those images until they need a monarchy. Before that, they didn't want a monarchy. Hmm. So God was more in the image of prophet, God was in the image of you know creator in lots of different ways, but now they needed an image of God as king. And so now you have, so you look at the literature. So there's just marvelous ways when you start to think about that of what is possible and and how we are able to in many ways to to do the many of the same things of the images of God that are out there Um, that, that hopefully we can recognize we don't need to stay with one image. You know, sometimes the image of God is as this old man in a long white robe and long beard sitting in this massive throne. Well, that's an image of God that was important at one point in time. But we don't necessarily need that image of God anymore. Um, Maybe we need an image of God of someone who is, you know, a, a wisdom figure. You know, uh, and we could use any number of people as a wisdom figure of someone who, you know, maybe an image of God today when we think about the world in which we live, uh, an image of God that that brings peoples together from all cultures, all backgrounds, all experiences. It it all depends, but that's the beauty of the Bible. It tells us that that there is no one image; there are many images. Um, and so sometimes we, we can forget that, too, as to what our experience is. But moving moving on, because <laughs> we have a limited amount of time, and I get that, is that when you start to look at some of the um, origins of the Bible, it, it really spans nearly 2,000 plus years. Um, when you talk about everything from Abraham to, you know, all the way to Noah and And you speak of, you know, Egypt and, I mean, we're covering a lot, a lot of territory. Um, So, you know, when we think about all of this is that the New Testament then, that was really, uh, that was written during the latter half of the first century. So you're looking at, you know, 50, uh, year 50, you know, to 100. Um, Many of Paul's books were written before the Gospels. Or Paul's letters Uh, again it's not in order Mm -hmm. Um, you have uh, different writers writing uh, for different people Uh, we have for example first and second Peter and those kinds of that you know did Peter actually write them we don't necessarily know all of that it was more likely, for example, a scribe of Peter, a follower that was writing down everything and decided eventually to put what he or she you know, discovered and to put it in a letter form. Is that, That's, again, the beauty of it all, is that we don't have to know all of that. It's interesting when you do, but we don't have to know all of that because the point is not who wrote it on the page. The point is, is what is the wisdom that it is trying to tell us? Um, you know it's interesting how uh, different things that you know there are those theorists who will say for example that Luke who is more than any other gospel writer of the four gospel writers uh, has images of of Mary and Elizabeth images of 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 women that's you know really speaks to the issues of women and in fact there are those theorists who will say that there had to be a major female influence if not writer that wrote some of those things because he said uh, no male would ever be that sensitive, <laughs> you know, um, and and so you you know, you, you step back, say, I've never really thought about that, but sometimes think, you know here again, it's about the truth that is being taught, not simply who wrote the words on the page. It's about the truth that is being revealed, and when we look at the Bible as a whole, you know, we can. We can prove and disprove all sorts of things. Lord knows what those extra scrolls will somehow teach us someday. It does not deny the truth and the wisdom and the sacredness of of the texts that have come to us over the centuries. You know, people get really squirrely about that sometimes. Well, how can you say that a woman could write that? It's not important who wrote it. What's important is the truth being shared that's what's important. And, and sometimes we can get lost, you know, or we, we fail to see the forest for the trees, you know. And, and that it really comes down when it comes to the, comes to the, uh, to the Bible. The, the beginnings of the Bible, as I mentioned, spread over uh, thousands of years. Um, lots of oral history eventually put into a simple, into a, a single volume over time. Uh, is that uh, when you look at the, the Jewish or Hebrew canon, um, is that it recognizes 39 books. And um, it divides that into three sections. One is the law, and, and we refer to that you know, as the, the Pentateuch, uh, the law being the Torah, but the Pentateuch, the first five books, the prophets, and then you have the major prophets, the minor prophets, and then the others, and then what they call <laughs> yeah, the others. And then what they call the writings, and those writings include usually wisdom literature like Psalms, Proverbs, Song of Songs, Ruth, those kinds of books that are often referred to as the writings. So that's that's really you know what we would have the uh, the Jewish or the Hebrew Scriptures, and we're becoming more sensitive to that too. That you know rather than Old Testament, New Testament, we will oftentimes refer to as the Hebrew Scriptures or the Jewish Scriptures. And the Christian scriptures. You know um, not putting everything in simply the context of Christianity as if somehow nothing existed before that. Well a lot existed before Christianity or before Jesus came on the scene. In fact Jesus when he taught didn't just bring it all out of a vacuum. He would have been rooted deeply into the scriptures as is evident by the things that he says. Is that he would have been rooted deeply into what we would refer to as the Hebrew Scriptures as a young boy, as a young man, as someone growing up, and eventually to be called rabbi, is that he would have certainly had to have proven in any number of ways of his his ability to know and to reflect and to you know to speak to the issues that the Hebrew scriptures would have spoken to at that day and age. And in fact, he will oftentimes. Point to them and saying, You got it all wrong. You you have forgotten what these books have ta- are supposed to have taught you because of money, because of power, because of whatever it might be. And you have forgotten the truth that was being taught. As Jesus would say, Is that, you know, because he was obviously accused of trying to destroy the whole Jewish tradition. And he's saying, I haven't come to destroy anything, I've come to fulfill it. You just have forgotten what was being taught back then. And so it's an important piece when we start to look at these. The Christians for the most part when when you look at the Christian scriptures and such as that, uh, all Christians agree on 27 books for the New Testament. Uh, For the Catholic tradition though is that we have uh, we have a few more. Um, So it's it's uh, we will and we can talk about those as time goes on. Uh, when we look at the the different books that we have, when people say that you know, do I recommend reading the Bible from beginning to end? Absolutely not, because usually <laughs> what happens is that you get going through you know uh, Genesis and Exodus. It's when you get into Leviticus and Numbers that people just saying I don't want to do this anymore, <laughs> and they usually end up quitting because in those books it's just it's a lot of rules, regulations that have to be taught. But it can be extremely boring in many ways. Um, hate to say that about the Bible, but the fact that it just get caught in all of these things. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, do I suggest that people eventually read the whole thing? Yeah, I think it's good that we do. Um, but but jump around a bit. Sometimes we need a little poetry. Sometimes we need a little music. Sometimes we need just a good story. Sometimes we need a little history to put it in context. And sometimes we need to look at. Okay, so what are the rules and regulations that we were developed? What was developed because of that? And how does it apply today? I think that's one of the questions. That, when I look at all that, how does this apply today? Not just the words. What are they trying to teach me? Mm-hmm. That's that's a question that you start reading it, one should ask.
0: Uh, you said that like Genesis isn't first and Revelation isn't last in the order of what was actually written do you know what was written Uh, first no
1: we really don't we really don't have an idea we have you know because a lot depends on again many of these were written around the same time again because people had an opportunity to actually sit down and to write it you know certainly revelations and such was written in that latter parts of the first century because that was all part of early Mm -hmm. christianity and such
0: but it could have been written the same time letters were being written
1: exactly it could you exactly it could have been you know written yes could have been written during any number of the letters things are placed there because when you look at it logically as a time sequence of time Mm -hmm. genesis is about the first thing so it's first Exodus about you know all the things that happened and then the monarchy. We know historically We we know historically there are lots of facts in the Bible. We know that not only from the Bible we know that from you know uh, Roman uh, you know political literature. We know that from Babylonians. We know that from the Assyrians. We, because they talk about defeating you know the small country or whatever. So we know that there's a lot of fact in it. So when we look at the time frames, we can put you know the you know they got out of Egypt first and. And then they had to wander a while and they were in this judicial time as kind of wandering tribes and then the monarchy happened and then so we know that these things happened when they were written really has a lot to do uh though they might have been written in a similar in a in a uh, common time period Mm -hmm. let's say early monarchy years and such or mid-monarchy years, probably more Solomon's time, because David was around, you know, uh, in a lot of military battles. Mm-hmm. Uh, Solomon not so much. Any number of these, it depending it depended upon which group decided to take on writing Genesis literature or the Exodus stories. Calling together, you know what? Okay, people who had the stories and had heard the stories, and then forming it actually into a book. We have the uh, E.D.P.J. traditions. You have the Elohist, the Yahwist, uh, the Priestly, and the Deuteronomics. Deuteronomist. Those are four different groups. That when we look at the Pentateuch particularly, the first five books. These were different groups that had, you know, different bents on the importance of ritual, on the importance of spirituality, on the importance of following the law. It all depended in many ways which group kind of approached this. So for example, if you look in the Bible, you have a couple of at least two different uh, creation stories. Well, how can that be? Because two different groups wrote creation stories probably around the same time and over a period of time they simply got melded together. Somebody heard something and said, wow, that's very familiar. And so they started over, again, hundreds of years, these traditions started to be blended. And so when you look at Genesis, when you look at Genesis, there are... Uh, several different you know creation stories right. because different groups wrote it from a different perspective
0: so, yeah and they feel very different when you read them they oh they sound very they, different
1: exactly very very different and you say, wow you know and that's where you need to just step back a little bit and say hmm that teaches me something that this one didn't teach me you know
0: true all right okay anything else
1: not right now I mean we have, <laughs> We have lots more to do. We will have to, you know, uh, because this just begins kind of an opportunity to start breaking down some of the uh, the major chunks, you yeah. might say, so that we're able to talk a little bit about that. Um, but it's 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 wonderful to talk about these things and to see what we discover.
0: Awesome. All right. Well, we will be huh, we will be back with more Bible discussion next time. Um, hope you enjoyed this one, and we will see you next time.